Welcome to the Wheels Up Podcast, the resource to help business, executive, and VIP travelers stay safe on the ground and in the air. Join Executive Protection and Travel Security Specialist Troy Clayton as he shares tips on how to give yourself or those in your care a safe journey, no matter where your travels take you. Hey, welcome back to the Wheels Up Podcast. I'm Brett Jarman, co-host, here with Troy Clayton, our resident security slash risk management slash anything to do with safety expert. How are you doing, Troy? Pretty good, mate. That's a lot of slashes, then. A lot of slashes. I could have added more, but I was, I was running out of breath. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to say, I'm really interested in today's subject. We haven't really discussed much about it. Um, it's all about surviving captivity. And it, what interests me about this, when I did some research, I'm amazed at how many people are actually um, kidnapped in the course of their work. We've talked in earlier episodes about journalists and the risks that, um, that they go through. Obviously, they're exposed to danger more than others. And we've seen on the news, seen examples of where journalists has been, ha, have been kidnapped and it hasn't come to a good end. But I was surprised that even people like charity workers in, um, in the Philippines, I'm, I'm reading a book where they gave an example of charity workers being uh, kidnapped and, and held to ransom. So, yeah, I'm surprised at the, the scope of this. So I think it's really important that we cover this in more detail. Um, yeah, so thanks, Troy, for, for putting this on our agenda. So where are we going to go with this today? Yeah, no worries. I mean, obviously, that um, there is a large, uh, I guess, a large scope there for, for, I guess, anyone that appears to be financially better off than, than other people is always a target. So, yeah, look, within Panoptic Solutions, we've got um, we've got several training packages and courses which we offer uh, to our clients. Um, and other than myself, obviously, we've got a, a team of instructors um, with various backgrounds in uh, military, law enforcement, uh, surveillance, and medicine. Uh, and today, what we've gone and done, we've got one of our instructors from our Adverse Environments training team. Um, now, our Adverse Environments training team is a, is a group made up of um, former Special Forces and, and Specialist Military Professionals. Um, and uh, he's here to talk to us today about one of the courses that we offer. And um, you, you mentioned it right at the start. Uh, one of those courses is, is uh, Surviving Captivity. Um, that said, or that being said, we're... we're um, you know, we're going to sort of talk in general about um, capture, detainment, kidnapping in general, uh, as well as obviously that we'll, we'll talk about the course in general. Um, and we'll discuss a few tips on how to best avoid being placed in those, those sorts of situations as well. So today we've got John. Um, we should also mention right at the start that John isn't actually his real name, but for the sake of the podcast, we'll be referring to him as John. So, John, how are you going, mate? I'm very good. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me. No dramas, mate. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. So, John, uh, t- tell us a bit about your background. How did you get into this field and uh, how did you t- become an expert in um, surviving captivity, among other things? Well, Brett, uh, my background is uh, possibly 25 years uh, as a serviceman and uh, across that uh, experience I had a, a wide variety of uh, employment within there and I also uh, had a lot of opportunity to uh, travel overseas both for uh, operational deployments and for training. And uh, the crux of it is that uh, the basis of or the extent of that training has uh, led me to a position where um, I've uh, got a collaborative effort here with Troy and the uh, instructional, uh, instructional group from Adverse Environments. And uh, we're able to produce uh, a package which uh, we think uh, will actually help people. Yeah, great. So whilst you're on a roll, actually, let, let's let's 
talk about the course first up, John. Let's uh, uh, let's discuss, you know, surviving captivity. It's obviously, you know, it's a concept that we've had at uh, Panoptic Solutions for a little while now. Um, but uh, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about the course? What's what's surviving captivity all about? And, and give us a general overview. Yeah, sure. Look, uh, at the outset, Troy, it's very important I explain what the course isn't. Uh, so it's not any form of military-style training. Um, I'd point out the Defence Force has its own very specific training requirements and, indeed, its own methods and procedures, which we avoid completely. And what the training consists of is essentially theory-based information which um, people will be quite surprised that they can actually access on the net quite easily. Uh, it's all out there. But what we do is provide context for that information and we present in such a way so as to increase people's knowledge and uh, really try to open their eyes to the current world situation and not just the world situation but also domestically. Yeah, that's great, mate. I mean, it, that's uh, that's actually really important to, to mention what it isn't. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there are similar courses out there um, and, mm-hmm. and other companies do, do variations of it. I guess how does this one differ to, to some of the other courses that are out there? Sure. So first off, um, the information is presented in uh, a boardroom type uh, situation, uh, a lecture area, something like that. So people aren't going to walk in the door and the next thing find themselves uh, tied up in the corner and being yelled at or anything like that. It's an adult environment. Um, our instructors are particularly uh, well-versed in, in the topic and they're very engaging. And what we try to do is provide um, some statistics, contemporary examples uh, where uh, things have gone wrong and things have gone right um, and try to provide people with skills, knowledge and strategies to deal with the threat uh, of kidnapping and abduction um, should that occur. What we also do is we, we cover strategies to avoid trouble in the first place, which is our, our key driver there. So prevention is better than cure. Um, and if we can provide people with the kind of knowledge that will help them avoid trouble uh, in the first place, uh, I think we've done our job there, particularly uh, when travelling overseas. Yeah, beautiful. So, so John, um, you, you mentioned contemporary examples, and we were discussing just before we came on a very recent example of a uh, a Bitcoin uh, millionaire, I guess he is, uh, based in Greece, who was kidnapped in December. And, and I'll, I'll read the words here. Uh, the Financial Times reported that Luna was released in a state of shock. So I, I imagine if he'd gone through the course, he could have... Maybe he may not have been able to avoid the kidnapping, but he could have at least avoided that state of shock and been, been able to be more contained. Obviously, he was released. The yeah. ransom was paid, and so it did have a, a, a sort of a happy ending. Now, he's someone who is at risk because he's quite wealthy, but who else should have an interest in this sort of thing? He might not have been quite too wealthy given the way the Bitcoin's just gone, but um, that, that aside, um, <laughs> he obviously did, something went right for him to come out of that situation alive. So either... In, in spite of what he did or um, because of what he did or what happened around him to facilitate that, uh, he's done something right. He's alive and that's that's the best end state. Um, like you say, though, it's not just rich people that are um, potential targets. Um, we cover uh, some contemporary examples, as I spoke about in our um, presentation, of people uh, just doing their own thing, uh, minding their own business. They're not particularly wealthy. And I think you mentioned earlier about um, ch- charity workers, um, particularly people who don't have their own personal security details, more, more the point, um, are vulnerable to this kind of thing. Um, the people who uh, abduct or kidnap them may not know the difference or what they're worth or they may assume 
that the government will come to their aid, as some governments do. Um, but as we saw with, uh, for example, a uh, Canadian national called Robert Hall uh, a couple of years ago, the Canadian government did not come to his aid, and uh, that did not end well. Mm. Yeah, uh, and, and we, we mentioned earlier about uh, you know journalists. Uh, we recently did a podcast on journalist safety and security, and, and, and Brett mentioned it in, in the start of this this particular podcast. I mean, that's obviously a, a specific group of people that um, this sort of training would would definitely uh, be an advantage to. Uh, and, and you know, we, we speak about CEOs and directors of companies and whatnot. And you you also mentioned um, you know um, you know those with. Uh, security details, and, and the fact is, I guess someone with a security detail becomes a, a harder target for a kidnapping anyway. But I guess uh, what, what I want to bring it to is that you know we've got examples where just everyday citizens, uh, everyday people, exactly. um, were were put into these sorts of situations. And um, I don't want to throw out a blanket statement that this course is for everyone, but um, I guess those people that were you know we can use Link Cafe. Uh, as an example, you know, that, they were just everyday people going about their business. Um, picking up a coffee uh, before work, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know, all hell broke loose. So, um, yeah. you know, there are there are obviously situations where where uh, I guess specific groups aren't just targeted. It, it, it's it's sort of opened up to everyone, isn't it? That's right. And um, you know, the Glint Cafe is a, a classic example because if uh, I'm sure if you know you had have asked people prior to that uh, fateful day in December 2014. Do you think you'll ever be involved in a situation like that? Of course, everyone would say, well, no, of course not. But I think um, where it really rams home is if you look every every second night on the news, you hear about a robbery gone wrong, it's complicated, they've got people in there with them when uh, uh, things go uh, pear-shaped, you've got um, home invasions, all these things potentially involve uh, someone being held against their will until the other mm. person is... Uh, got what they want. So um, these um, skilled knowledge and strategies that we'll look at and discuss uh, are applicable to you know, the, the widest group of people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so John, you, you mentioned the course is, is in, a, in a boardroom setting. How long does it go for and is there any like physicality involved, any sort of combat action that, that's part of, the, part of the training? No, the, the only danger uh, to the uh, to the prospective client is death by PowerPoint, and I'm joked with that. It's um, done in a very engaging way uh, because I think everyone has uh, had their bad experiences with uh, PowerPoint, and it's very easy way to do it. Um, as I said, it's a very um, informative, engaging environment where um, you know I use the term boardroom for want of a better term, but a presentation area essentially. People come in, sit down, very relaxed. They get the information, and importantly too, they get to interact with the instructors and not talk that, but they get to interact with the instructors and uh, not only ask questions, but we encourage them to um, provide uh, examples from their, their own experience uh, for such mundane things as you know, travelling and uh, if they've ever had difficulties that they've encountered, uh, which we can then highlight and say, well, here's where, you know, had you not done what you did, it could have gone, um, it could have gone a lot worse through, uh, and that's enlightening people to that situation. Mm. Right. And, and look, I, I, I'm sorry, mate. I was just going to say, um, even though I'm biased in this, uh, I, I actually sat through uh, a session um, just recently with the guys, and he, um, you know, John's absolutely right. It was entirely engaging, um, and um, you know, I walked away really enjoying the actual uh, presentation and the education that, that come with it. And that's that's even with having sat through you know uh, military training in the past. So it, it is actually a very engaging course. Right. So. 
so John, for someone, for, for a normal person, someone who, who's not engaged in security, who has been through the course, often mm -hmm. we turn up for a course because the boss told us to. Uh, what's some typical yep. feedback that you get from from people at the end of the day in terms of uh, fresh insights or wow, I'm glad I know that now. What, what's some typical feedback you might get? I think just the surprise at the um, the odds as we lay them out. We try not to bombard people with too many statistics, but we we do provide them uh, enough statistics to at least get their their head uh, their headspace right and to actually look at the world a little bit more differently without. You know, then becoming paranoid. We don't want people walking around questioning every strange thing that happens. But uh, generally, the feedback is uh, a typical statement is, "I'm surprised at that. I hadn't, I hadn't realised that." They're typical statements that you hear. So, you know, for example, when you tell people that um, as we speak, there are currently uh, up to two thousand people around the world held against their will in one form or another illegally, uh, that that certainly focuses the mind. Um, mm. You know, somewhere between um, twelve and fifteen thousand people a year um, are in, in kidnapped for ransom or uh, held hostage. So, um, you know, when you start to say those kind of things, people are like, "Oh, geez, that's uh, that's more than I thought." Wow, that's amazing! In fact, the, the example just came to mind of sex trafficking as well. Like, there's a lot of that goes on. That that is people being held. Yes, indeed. And uh, even hostages being. Uh, bartered for by different groups uh, and actually a, a trade war going on between organisations to, to get hostages and actually they are just part of a, uh, a market, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. At the end of the day, a lot of them are just commodities. That'd be bright to say, wouldn't it, John? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, look, we're using some hard, you know, harsh words here like kidnapping and capture and, and whatnot. Um, there's probably, uh, I, I know within within the course that I sat through uh, the other week, um, John, we within a part of the training, you, you guys go into the difference between capture and detainment and, and that there is a distinct difference between the two. Do you want to just elaborate a little bit on, on the difference between capture and detainment and why that's important to understand? Yeah, for sure. So, for example, um, uh, someone being kidnapped uh, for ransom or held hostage, uh, they are captives uh, and they are there against their will and they are held illegally. Um, if the police um, pull you over for speeding and, and or uh, breathalyse you and then take you uh, to the station or you go to the watch house um, in Australia, uh, that is legal detention. You are detained. Um, if you're overseas and uh, you, know, you break the law, uh, wittingly or unwittingly, um, you know, you may uh, face um, a certain period of confinement or detention there, um, which you know, people need to be uh, ready for. And there's certainly um, a lot of information in our um, presentation which um, pushes towards uh, people avoiding that in the first place because uh, obviously that is the, the best possible outcome. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, for those of us who, who are normal people, um, well, I guess we all are to some degree. What's the best way to... <laughs> some are more normal than others. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the best way for us normals to avoid being detained or captured? What, what would you pass on to someone who, who may not feel inclined to, to go through this course? Uh, what I would say is do your, do your research. Um, like I say, everything that we present on the course uh, is information that is out there and it also has a, you know, a strong smattering of common sense through there, but... Um, essentially, do do your research. Um, it's amazing the number of people who travel overseas um, that don't even consult, um, 
you know, something as basic as Lonely Planet or um, more official sites such as uh, DFAP's Smart Traveller website. Um, mm. I guess there's a degree of complacency in there with people when they travel. Uh, but those kind of sites, they will give you some, some rough guidance and um, in some cases some very good information. But um, what we uh, try to provide people on the course is uh, not just that kind of information but uh, also preparing themselves with regards to their situational awareness when they are travelling because uh, a business person might be travelling on their own um, but at some stage you know, you may be travelling with your family, your children and you need to uh, not just be looking after number one, but then you've got the responsibility of them as well. And there's some strategies that we provide people to um, assist them in that regard. Mate, I'll just go to elaborate on that point. You started speaking about situational awareness, and I know that um, um, we've got a package put together for that. Uh, so it's it's something that we obviously pass on to, to some of the clients we sit down and talk to, so, you know, be situationally aware. And I know we spoke to um, it was Dr. Gra- uh, Gav Schneider not that not, not that long ago. We uh, we spoke to Gav about situational awareness as well, and he uh, he elaborated a fair bit on that as well in one of the other podcasts. And um, some of the common sense stuff that you were talking about too. I mean, the issue is common sense isn't always that all that all that common, is it, John? No, that's right. Um, you know, a good example of just in, you know increasing your situational awareness, which you know is, is a, it's a skill that you don't practice all the time. Um, you know, for example, for you two guys right now, I'll bet that you could not tell me uh, what the make, model and colour of the last car you parked next to was. Um, you know... Mine's you the garage, people, so I'm pretty you know, good. <laughs> yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you a better example. Uh, if you're parking out uh, next in a shopping centre, um, you probably had to take great pains to avoid scratching uh, the car next to you or cars next to you, so you actually had to look at them in some detail in your rear view or... Uh, over your shoulder, whatever the case may be. You probably had to open your door quite carefully to avoid uh, scratching theirs, given how small the car spaces are. But when you say to people, could you describe, even if, yeah, five minutes later, if you, if you said to them, could you describe the make, model and car uh, and the colour even of the car that you parked next to, now, most people would draw a blank. Um, so like if you said to people, uh, can, you, can you give me a, dis- a physical description of any sort of the last person who served you a copy? Most people, unless they're there regularly, they'd probably just draw a plane. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing, we try to focus uh, the mind on to say, if you're you know, taking in that, that kind of detail, chances are you will have a, a better chance of avoiding trouble in general. And that's, mm-hmm. that doesn't just apply when you're travelling, but just everyday life too. I guess one of the other things too would be decreasing your footprint. So decreasing, you know, trying to blend into your environment. You know, don't be a target, don't stand mm-hmm. out. Um, you <laughs> yep. know. The, uh, yeah, all these common sense things is, like we said, they're not necessarily common sense. So, yeah. Yes. You don't want to around with a bum bag. Uh, I'll give you a very good example of that from, from personal experience. Uh, about two weeks after September 11th, uh, my uh, partner and I were travelling overseas uh, at the time and uh, as luck would have it, we're travelling through places like the United States, Egypt, Africa, that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, one of the locations we were at, we got on the, uh, the bus to go out to a, um, a fairly famous uh, tourist site and uh, we were the only two people who got on that bus that weren't wearing a uh, white shirt and blazer with the American flag saying they won't dent the resolve of American steel. And uh, these people were the most uh, conspicuous tourists you could ever see, loud and proud, and you know, good on them, but uh, certainly um, a great example there of in a heightened... Um, a heightened environment of threat 
um, where, you know, people, you don't want to stand out. Those guys were standing out low, sore, sore thumbs. And um, you yeah. see it quite often. Australians, unfortunately, are just as bad at it, um, drawing attention to ourselves. And as you say, if you can lower that, uh, lower that footprint, lower that uh, profile, keep uh, mm. along, do what you need to do, uh, certainly that, that will assist you. Yeah, absolutely. I think things like, you know, you see exactly what you're saying. You, you see, you know, the tourists walking down the street with the bright bags that, that stand out or the, the bright multicoloured shirts, um, shorts where everyone's yep. wearing trousers. You know, a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, look, we're all guilty of it. We go to these hot environments, we go to these hot countries, but all the locals, you have a look around, they're all wearing trousers, but we're the only ones wearing shorts. Um, and and even, things like yeah, wearing jewellery, jewellry in some of these poorer com- countries. You, know, you, you stand out with all your bling, so you become a target. Yeah, and, and what you would not regard as particularly uh, uh, outlandish things like a wedding ring and a, a very, uh, a very uh, cheap or modestly priced watch, um, to us, um, overseas could be viewed as flaunting our wealth or uh, drawing, a, drawing attention that's certainly not wanted. That's it's actually pretty funny. We had a, a story, uh, I was talking to one of the girls here in the office, just the other day about this sort of thing and she was saying that her mother, because they're from South Africa, um, where they just don't wear jewellery at all, uh, the moment she mm-hmm. arrives into Australia, she pretty much just puts all of her jewellery on and she's just like a walking bling, you know, like it's just uh, just crazy So because she doesn't get to wear it back home. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. All right. So so we've been talking about blending in. So, Troy, in examples where you're working with a client and you're part of an executive protection unit and maybe a a little more difficult to blend in, and you're pro- probably more at risk. Um, how, what are the signs that you're looking out for in terms of being wary of kidnapping and capture, those sorts of things? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, uh, I guess executive protection, as we've already spoken about in the past, is all about avoiding the situation or doing um, prior preparation. And I know that um, you know we've had another podcast with Reese, and he spoke about um, prior preparation and whatnot, but. Really, the first and foremost thing is for us to avoid that situation, um, and that comes along with your, your advanced work and your your your, um, your planning. But um, the other thing too is a risk assessment. So, speaking from I guess a, an EP point of view or a protection point of view, you would you would conduct that risk assessment. Is the client a risk of at risk of kidnap? Um, and some are, some are. But I guess you've got to come up with an idea of how you're going to mitigate that, and that could be anything from um, alter, alternate routes, um, increasing the numbers within the EP team. Um, so rather than travelling with, say, one uh, bodyguard or executive protection um, operative, they may boost the numbers to a, a full team. Um, they may even have a counter-attack team, um, which, you know, is, is um, you know, on a much heavier scale, or they may even use um, law enforcement as an add-on, et cetera. Uh, I guess if you get into those, if you actually get yourself into that situation, um, we look for what they call combat indicators um, and, you know, it's, that, that could be anything from a, a decrease in activity where you would normally go into a, a relatively busy area um, and all of a sudden there's just nothing going on um, or people are starting to avoid eye contact. Um, and this is normally in, I guess, more volatile and hostile regions. You wouldn't really get those sort of combat indicators. And I use that in inverted commas in, in um, relatively benign countries, but you know places you know where you know I, you know if you're escorting a journalist, for instance, to say Syria or Iraq or somewhere like that, and all of a sudden you drive into a town and all the shutters close up, then I would probably start 
considering that there's an issue there. You know, the old spidey senses tingling, that gut feeling that something's not right, you know, it's 90%, you know. How many times has you, you know, your gut been wrong? You always meet someone and you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this person. And that's your, that's your wow. gut telling you something, something's not okay. right. So, so this stuff doesn't just happen in the movies, it happens in real life? No, and I'm sure that um, John would probably back me up on, on some of those, those points there as well. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. So, so, John, we've talked a lot about avoiding capture. Uh, in the unfortunate event that someone is captured, what, what kind of what, what could they expect to go through? What kind of treatment might occur, and even how how would they feel? Would well, go ahead. Sure. It, it, I guess it all depends on who um, who actually uh, captures them. So, for example, um, the man you just spoke about before, um, he was a valuable commodity. And the people who kidnapped him obviously knew he was a valuable commodity. So if you think of any other commodity, if it's valuable, you're going to take care of it. Um, so without giving people false impressions, um, you know, it may vary from being kept in, in very good condition to being kept in condition that is just enough to keep you alive um, so that they can actually um, get what they want and have that facilitated. Um, if we're talking about someone who um, you know, captures you and it's not for ransom so much as uh, propaganda or you know, they're simply a deranged uh, person, uh, then that uh, is a, a simply, or that is not a simple thing, but it's a very definitely different aspect. Um, and that's where the person who is actually in that situation has to try to make a, an assessment of uh, what they're up against, usually based on extremely poor information at times. Yeah. So um, following on from that, I, I guess um, one of the subjects that we or you guys talk about in the um, the training is is the rescue and recovery of the of the hostages. So if they are unfortunate enough to, to be put in that position, um, there you know there's potential for 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 that recovery to to um, to go ahead. And I know, in fact, one, of the, right. one of the yeah, in fact, one of the instructors within the within the um, the adverse environments training team spent many years um, working within the a counter-terrorism unit and has a vast amount of experience and knowledge uh, surrounding hospital yep. recovery, and, and, and he discusses this in length. Oh, no, I was just about to say, his, uh, his presentation um, covers um, in quite comprehensive detail what people can expect um, if uh, a rescue or recovery goes through, and that's obviously, like you said, based on, on his uh, experience uh, actually in the field. Um, mm. And he provides them a lot of information which may seem counterintuitive to, to someone thinking that, oh, you know, the door's open, I'll just race out there. But uh, he provides um, a lot of information which will actually help them to survive the, the rescue, uh, if you like, um, which is um, probably one of the most dangerous aspects if you go ahead. Hmm. And I guess a point to come out of that, that one thing that came out of it when I was listening to it, is that it, it reassures people that there is actually something going on. And it's not always the case, but I guess um, there are occasions where if you are put in that, that situation, um, I guess a lot of people would start to give up hope, but um, you know, I walked away from the presentation going, you know, you know what, there, there is hope, um, and there is potentially something going on behind the scenes. Um, we don't just have to give up. Very definitely, yeah, and that's one of the things that we impress upon people is to maintain that positive mental attitude uh, throughout all phases. Uh, it's difficult to, or it's, I should say, it's easy to say from the comfort of your living room. Or wherever to uh, to say that when you're not actually there, but once you're in that situation, that that positive um, mental mindset that uh, hey, keep myself alive. You know, there's the possibility of uh, 
a good resolution for this um, is definitely uh, definitely beneficial. And you almost need to take on a, for want of a better term, an aggressive mindset, be mentally aggressive, mentally positive, um, to maintain your morale and also to, to look to try to exploit uh, opportunities should they arise. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. So just flowing off from that, John, do you want to um, quickly elaborate on, on not the full recovery phase, but I guess what would... Uh, someone expect if they are captured or kidnapped and, and a hostage rescue was mounted? So they may not uh, be aware that it's actually uh, happening um, until right on when it actually occurs. So that's, and that's a thing that um, people may not be mentally prepared for. So you know, they, may be, they may have spent months um, in confinement um, mm. and you know, very little situational awareness. The next thing they know, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of shouting, gunfire, potentially, um, that they can hear. And uh, when you've been in that situation for so long, um, it would naturally be very disorientating and very confusing. So um, the information that's covered um, in that part of the presentation uh, is very clear about uh, what to do in that in that part so that you don't jeopardise any part of the, the rescue itself mm-hmm. and uh, to keep yourself alive because it will be quite a confusing situation both for the people in the, uh, who have been held captive but also to the rescuers uh, for them to clearly delineate who's who in the zoo. Yeah. And I think that's another good part of the course is that all the training that comes out of it is that, um, you know, you feel more prepared. Like, I guess no one's ever prepared to be kidnapped. No one's ever prepared to be, you know, taken as a hostage or, or detained. But no. knowing full well or, or having been educated that something is going to occur and, and this is what may occur, these are the noises you may hear, these are the commands that you may be given and, and these are the actions that may yeah. need to be taken, it better prepares you for that fact that, oh, hang on, I do recall this. Yeah. And it's on such as surprise. prepared as you can be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right, gentlemen. With that, thank you both for the insight. The big takeaway for me is this is a lot more common than you know, I first realised. You know, just, just in a little bit of research I did and even the examples you gave of you know people can go to a cafe and suddenly find themselves in a captive situation. It's not... This isn't just high-end stuff. This is for all of us to, to be aware of. So thank, thanks to you both for, uh, for your insights on that. No worries. No, thanks very much. All righty. Now, Troy, so what do our listeners need to do if, if they want to investigate this, um, this training for their, for their business or for their team? Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, if uh, anyone out there wants uh, the uh, Panoptic Solutions Adverse Environments training team to come into their workplace... Uh, to either provide them with uh, uh, training on surviving captivity or any of the other training that we offer for that matter, just uh, reach out to us at info at panopticsolutions.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-T-I-C solutions.com. Um, and uh, we'll arrange to have the guys come in and, and deliver that training to you. It's, it's not invasive, it's educational, and it, um, it may actually end up saving your life or, you know, at the very least preparing you for... Uh, You've been listening to the Wheels Up podcast with Troy Clayton. For more information, show notes, resources, and subscription options, visit wheelsuppodcast.net. Wheels Up is brought to you by the Experts on Air podcast network. Until next time, safe travels.